0: All right, good morning everyone. We're here. It's not an ice day or a snow day. Yay! Has anybody ever had a semester quite this crazy for missing a particular class? It's a good semester to have a website that we can have assignments and readings and other things on because hopefully you've been able to stay a little more caught up in this class thanks to our website than you would have otherwise. If you are feeling overwhelmed and behind at this point, do not fret. There's not gonna be any penalties for having your work in late. We've had a chaotic you know, time with everything that's happened. I'm going to be doing another open lab on Friday and I will send out a text message and, and post that on our website. Probably it will be at nine or 10 o'clock on Friday if you have that time available and wanna come in and I'll be happy to work with anybody afterwards if, we're still having some trouble on the blog or having having some other difficulty. So, for the recording's sake, it is February the 16th. It is 11 a.m. This is Technology for Teachers. I'm Wes Fryer. Um, and we are today going to have several folks, I think, share their Pecha Kucha presentations. And my computer has gone to sleep. We are also going to, as we are in every class start with a video and we're going to start with a what I call an app share, which is just a quick application that, this is a little program called caffeine that makes my laptop not go to sleep. Um, application on the iPad. Uh, in this case it's going to be an audio recording app because I'm going to kind of just share, the, share those every every time we meet and then we're going to talk about two things. Google Reader was our topic two weeks ago when we had our first snow day and we're going to kind of go over some of that stuff and I'll show you where You will turn in a Google Reader assignment, which is subscribing basically to 10 different sites, and we'll go over that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Scratch. We had a video this week about Scratch, and we're going to spend about four weeks on it. So today we're not creating in Scratch. We're basically just going to look at some examples, and I'm going to have you explore on the Scratch website some of the amazing projects that a lot of kids and others are creating so let's start with a video well actually let's start with attendance on our homepage. if you haven't already gone here remember we're always going to have our links to what we're doing right here for this week and the 11 on our um, handout here corresponds to your attendance. So this is a Poll Everywhere poll. You'll just put your first and last name in here and submit it. That's uh, how I'll check roll and know that you are here. So that is the 11 o'clock link or the 11 link that's next to week six. So let's start with that. How many of you watched the Super Bowl? What did you think the best ad was that you saw in the Super Bowl? Is there one that stood out? The Doritos. The Doritos one? Okay. Anybody like the Star Wars one? I haven't seen either of those. I actually didn't watch the Super Bowl. Um, I'm a football fan, but more of a college fan. However, I've checked out some of the ads. Did you watch the Reply All ad? Does that one ring a bell? Yeah. It was a Bridgestone ad? Well, does anybody know how much it costs to advertise at the Super Bowl this year? It
1: depends on the,
2: which quarter you want your
0: commercial. Oh, it did. I had heard $3 million. I read that by September they'd sold like 90% and they were $3 But you're probably right, yeah, because in the the fourth quarter when the action's on, that's, yeah. There was an ad for, um, I think, Chrysler. It was really a Pride in Detroit ad that was two minutes long. And, I mean, man, think how much that was to do full two minutes of advertising. Well, um, there was an ad that I had read about and then found on Bridgestone's YouTube channel, which was this, Reply All ad. And so even if you saw the 30-second ad of the Super Bowl, unless you've been to their YouTube site, you might not have seen the extended version. So this is a 60-second version. And what I want you to do is you watch this, and then I'll show you the 90-second behind the scenes. What conversations could we have with our students, with our friends, with our family, with other people about technology and about safety and... What kinds of issues do we need to talk about that this raises? I hope my audio is gonna work. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Rod, right. you sent this email reply all. Yeah, reply all no! <laughs> So here's the behind the scenes. This is uh, 90 seconds. Oh, no. Rod, you sent
1: this email reply all. Yeah, reply all. So, Rod, can
2: you please tell
1: me what this email actually said? Hey, Rod, you know I'm Profanity-laced, dirty joke.
2: He's a big
1: <laughs> <laughs> It would make Brett <laughs> Tell me what was in that email. Okay, so. To the when we read that out. Hey, Rod, I need to know what's right now.
2: I think there were pictures. pictures. The photographs? Were. <laughs> Dirty pictures of them in bath. In fact, like little rubber duckies around. We've got three marshmallows in one hand,
0: two marshmallows in the other.
2: You were going to tell me what the uh, email was? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, well, basically, I wanted to. Essentially what it was. A lot, a lot of Maybe there are no clips. Maybe even
2: worse, there are clips. Dressing as an empanada. Dressed up like a Mesopotamian pharaoh with a crown and everything. Nice blood weight. A mole variety a
1: tongue depressor and a bullfight. But then it gets weird. throw up. Grabbing my stuff and
0: running out the door. Probably move. Okay, so turn to your neighbor. Take 60 seconds. Talk about what issues those videos raise that might be good conversations to have. Go.
2: And if your neighbor is... Separated
0: from you, scoop close so you can get near them. longer than 60 seconds, but what are some of the topics that you might visit with folks about that this vi- this video suggests? Okay, what's an appropriate email and what's not? Talking about, you know, specifically email. Any guidance you'd offer on that? Gossip is probably not a good thing to put in email, right? And the audience is not predictable. You think you're specifying the audience, but nothing stops someone from clicking forward, even those messages that say, this is a confidential message designed only for the recipient, you know. And you can accidentally reply all. That can happen. Has anybody had that happen to them, by the way? (laughs) It wasn't a bad situation. I've heard stories of, in school, um, teachers, like when there's a lawsuit going on, a student who's in special education and just real sensitive stuff, just accidentally, you know, click and reply all, and oh, guess what? You know, the lawyer just received that. The parent just received that. What, what else would you say are good questions to talk about with this movie? Yes, you can't retrieve it. Have you ever tried to do that on an email before where some systems will say, bring it back, retrieve? Has anybody tried to do that before? I've tried. It didn't work. (laughs) Because sometimes it's just if you're on the same system, like Outlook would would do that sometimes. So even though you may want to take it back, there's no way you can really do that. Um, And also thinking about Sexting. What do, what do I mean when I say sexting in the context of cell phones and text messages? What's that? Sending inappropriate, Sending inappropriate photos. So not only does this cover email, but it also you know, steps into the idea of pictures. We, uh, I think maybe our second week, took a look at that Dolphins, uh, Cry of the Dolphins uh, video, and thinking a little bit about bullying. We had a lot of posts that you all wrote about safety and talking about predator dangers and things. What do you think is the most dangerous thing to talk about for a young person online? What's the topic that's the most dangerous? You said it, three letter word that starts with S, sex, right? It is not safe to talk with strangers about sex. Predators do not hide their, um, their desires. Studies show they will talk about that and The danger is kids talking about sex with strangers and then, of course, agreeing to meet somebody. Most of the time when you have some situation where a person is meeting someone and it leads to a a bad confrontation or some bad situation, the person knows that they've talked about sex before the meeting, and they know that going to meet this person is not a good idea, probably, but they do it anyway. The students who are at risk face-to-face... Are at risk most online. That's what research studies show. And you know what are those risk factors? You know, not having connections to significant adults, being isolated, um, maybe being depressed, uh, maybe not being involved in any kind of clubs or sports or things like that. Um, traumatic things happening in your family. There's a whole lot of reasons why. Okay. Internet safety is important, but we also need to recognize where the real danger factor is, and you know, every student needs to know it's not a good idea to go to people online and talk about sex. Everyone ought to be told explicitly, never let someone take a picture of you naked, okay? Because you lose control of that photograph. You will not be able to control what happens once that image is taken. And it doesn't matter how much he or she says she loves you. You know, Does anybody know of a situation here in Edmond or Oklahoma City Uh, At high school, it could be college, but a sexting situation where where a photo has been forwarded. Has anybody heard of that happening? One of the men in my men's group, his granddaughter at one of our Edmond High Schools, that situation. She sent it to her boyfriend, and guess what happened the next day? Hundreds of folks at school had it. Now, something I learned in the last probably year is it's illegal to forward any kind of child pornography. We've had principals in our country have a student forward them something that includes nudity and is a minor under 18, and thinking, oh, I'm going to just send this to my lawyer. Forward to our school lawyer. Guess what? They have just committed a felony. So what should you do if you're at school and you uh, find a phone or someone forwards you Pornography, and especially if it's child pornography. What do you think you should do? Report it, it, right? Deleting it probably isn't the best idea. Getting law enforcement involved, particularly if it involves photographs of minors, is the thing to do. Um, And, you know, we've had students charged with uh, felonies because they have, you know, forwarded and sent those kind of images on. Is this something we only need to talk about with, you know, a few kids in our class? Just, you know, maybe... The wealthiest kids or just the poorest kids or everyone, right? The power that the phone has. How many of you got your cell phone with you today? The power that that phone has is really unbelievable because it not only lets us connect to individuals, it lets us publish for this big audience. So we're going to talk more about Internet safety, but I I think that videos like that can provide a window and an opportunity to talk about those issues. Sometimes humor is a good way to do that. But there's oftentimes issues that are real serious, you know, that it points out and talks about. So that's our little video for today. Um, all of our videos and things like that, of course, are linked here. So that was Reply All Extended and Behind the Scenes. How did I show those videos today? Did you notice it was different? It's been a long time since week two, I know. But What, what did I do? We used. Remember the site I used um, to kind of take the comments out before? QuietTube, right? It took the comments and just had the video. But I didn't do QuietTube. What did I do this time? QuickTime, QuickTime yeah. I have a downloaded copy of, of both of these videos on my computer. So you can't always do that. But benefit of this, I didn't wait for the Internet. I didn't worry about what comments were going to come up. These videos are on my computer. And so I am pretty confident that I'm going to be able to you know, play them and I can readily go back to whatever part of it that I want to. And we'll be talking this semester about some different ways that you can do that. You can save those videos. So, the next thing that I'd like to talk real quick about before we do uh, Pecha Kooches is a little app that's called Cinch. <clears throat> I believe that audio recording apps are super powerful and can be, can be wonderful to use in the classroom. And Cinch is a free website and application. It works on an iOS device, which means an iPad, an iPhone, an iPod Touch. It also works on an Android, and it just lets you readily record your voice and then share it immediately on the Internet. So on our website here, one of the things, you've you two buttons up here on the whiteboard, one lets you right click, and then the other one gives you a keyboard. So I'm going to click here beside Cinch where it says example. And I don't think it recorded my right click, and we'll see if it's going to bring up my page. This is uh, an example of a audio recording that my girls did with me this uh, Christmas. This was, um, I think, right before Christmas. And we were going to learn about how the program scratched, which which is what we're talking about today in our video, how that program worked. I'm having some internet connection difficulty, so I'm going to plug that in. And I'll show you how the program works, and then we'll try to take a look at the example. So, this is my iPad, and I put applications for audio recording and videos and and those kind of things in a category I call story chasing. And this is the program called Cinch. You can go to Cinch on their website, and you can record these things. But it is really wonderful, I think, to be able to have a device like this that can record because I don't have to be connected to the Internet. I can record, and it can share it later. Um, When I was in Montana a couple weeks ago, I met some folks who had been to CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. It happened in January, I think. They said there were 80 different Android tablets that were there at CES that people were showing. So um, this particular tablet, this is the first-generation iPad, is about to be eclipsed, we think, in March by the new version, which is going to take pictures. I don't know for sure, but I really think that... Tablet technology is a game changer. It's less expensive than full-blown laptops, and the ability to be able to navigate and touch and, and create and do things is really a, a big deal. So uh, what do you think I'm going to click on to get started? The red record button. So it's going to give me a countdown. There's a slight delay here. and I'll... Hey, this is Wes Fryer, and it is the... 16th of February 2011, we're here demonstrating Cinch and how we can record with this application. So I hit pause. Now, I'm not plugged into my external speakers, so you're not going to hear it on the speakers. But if I click play, hey, this is Wes Fryer, and it is the 16th of February. There's a slight delay in what shows up here and what's on the screen, because this is going wireless through my phone to get to the screen. So... It, 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 it would be a little more direct if I, if I was back there and plugged it in. But if I don't like that, I can click the delete button. If I do, I simply click next. Now it's going to prompt me to put in some information about this. So I'm just going to put in here 11 a.m. test. And I can click the camera icon that's there in the corner. Can I take a photo with this? No, there's no camera. I guess the next version is going to have it, so it says camera not available. So I will have to choose an existing photo, so this can be one that I've downloaded from the Internet or um, I have previously synchronized to my device, and Cinch lets me have different channels. So I've got different channels. We put family stuff in here. I'm going to just choose the EdTech channel. What does this mean, tag current location? Exactly. It is going to reveal to the world where I am. Now, what do you think about being at school? think that's okay to tag my location? It's probably not a mystery if I'm going to post this on my class website and I'm going to share that. If you're at home doing that, a student is doing that, probably not. You don't have to have that, you know, tagged on. We're on a field trip. Maybe we're going to go out and remotely do this, and we're using our Android phones or our iPhones or whatever to do it. We could be at the zoo, right, by the elephant cage or whatever, the exhibit. You know, and it would tag it right there. We could later go to the map, and it would show us where all those things are. But that's something to think about and a safety consideration to have. What do these posts to Facebook and Twitters mean? If I click post to Twitter, what's that going to do? If I have an account set up, like I could have a classroom Twitter account for parents to stay up to date with what we're doing, after this publishes, it is immediately going to have a link right there where a parent could click and hear it and listen to it. I'm not going to choose to cross post. I'm just now going to click the publish button. What this does is now post that, and if I click on my content at the bottom and click pending, it is now uploading these packets, and there were five pieces of that short little recording, it is uploading those to the internet, so they are going to immediately be available, or actually after just a few minutes, they're going to be available for us to take a look at on the website that Singe creates for my account. So, it's free to create this. Um, I think that... I need to go to my, my Cinch page. Basically, it's my username. Um, rather than go all the way back to the back of the room, if I want a keyboard when I'm on the smart board, there's a button for that. I click the keyboard button, and I'm just going to backspace. Because what I want to do is go to my... Um, W. Fryer channel, and that should show me all the um, posts. Okay, and I chose EdTech, and I think the one that we probably did this morning is already here. Okay, oh, look at that! The 11 a.m. is there, too. So if I click on this. Hey, this is Wes Fryer, and it is the 16th of February 2011, we're here demonstrating Cinch and how we can record with this application. So I'm going to delete both of those. That's just a test. But the ease with which you can record, you can share, we wouldn't have to identify who the students were, what their names were. Um, there's a lot of fear right now that surrounds you know, the use of the internet. And, and part of that. Is, is valid and part of it is irrational, right? There are predators and there are people that want to hurt children. Anybody been involved in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts? You know background checks are critical, right? Youth protection training. Everybody who's an adult who's involved in Boy Scouts does youth protection training every year, okay? But it is not an accurate perception to think that just because I have recorded something on the web and I put my name on it, a predator comes to my house and kidnaps my children, Okay. Now, I don't want to be the poster child for that, but that, that's not how the world works at this point. The people who are involved in those kidnappings are typically known by the child, known by the family. Um, and it is not something like, oh, you, you, know, you posted a blog and suddenly you're, you're kidnapped. This is an example of one that we created. So um, I'll try this again. I'm going to click my right mouse button, click Example. And my, there we go. Yay! This is a, a learning blog that we have for our family. So my son, who's now in seventh grade, doesn't want to post here you know, as much. But we'll share different things. My kids will, um, you know, create some art or they'll write a story or do something like that. So after we work with Scratch uh, before Christmas, uh, I'll just play a, about a minute of this. this. This is a conversation I have with my girls. Hello. Today is December 23rd. And Sarah... Rachel had their first experiences with Scratch, and just want to document a little bit about what we've learned, because Scratch is a great environment, and I'm curious about the things that, just the whole process of how they're learning about this, because Scratch is something we need to introduce to many different people. So, um, Sarah, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about, what do you
2: think Scratch is, for people who don't know anything about it, how do you describe? Scratch? Um, I think Scratch is a program to, like, make a game or to, like, it's, like, kind of like moving. Like, you have to give your little um, sprite or little object a script. And so when you press spacebar or another button, it does, what you say, like, you can put press the green flag and then say move 10 steps. Or if you do minus ten, that means it'll go backwards. So I think it's like a program.
1: Yeah. Rachel, how do you describe Scratch based on what you've done with it today? How would you
0: you
2: tell somebody what Scratch is? Um, like a site where you can just explore and make your um, write, do different things, and you can just and see
1: what it can do, and it do different things right, So I
0: won't subject you to the rest of that. But think about the possibilities here. Uh, in fact, why don't you take 20, 30 seconds turn to your neighbor and th- what is something in your content area okay, what you plan to teach? What's a what's a use of an audio recording tool like this that you can think of that might tie into student learning, assessment, communication with parents? Okay, go. You have 30 seconds. attention. My stopwatch, for some reason, isn't working, so we don't have our little bell to go off. But, anyway, want to share a thought? What was an idea that you had or your neighbor had? Recording,
2: like,
0: yourself Recording yourself reading. Absolutely. Because we become much more self-aware when we record ourselves. You mean I really sound like that? Oh, I say, uh, all the time. Or whatever. Okay. What else? How would you record yourself are, like, to or, like, absent students or, Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing for this. I really don't expect very many people to listen to very many of these. But if you're absent and you miss class and you'd like to catch what we did, it's recorded. Now, this is a different way of doing it, and it's probably more for short recordings. Having a battery-operated recorder, if I'm going to do a whole long class, is probably better. But absolutely, being able to record some part of the learning. And then make it available for other people to get it later. Several of you in your blog comments told me you had looked at that intersections video more than one time. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's actually transformative. Because if we only had it in class and you missed it, or you just, you know, I mean, our brains are doing lots of different things all the time. You know, being able to hear it a second time can be a real big deal. You pick up new things the next time. But something else you said is an idea for recording. Absolutely, and this whole development of fluency is a really important thing. A portfolio, how do you document where you are with your learning? Where are you today with your reading fluency? Well, let's record, and let's see. Somebody in the back had a, or go ahead. The awesome thing about this is it's wide open, right? Because we're creating something. If you want to be creative, you've got to make something. You have to create something. I mean, students could even use this tool to create a show. You could plan a little show. We're going to do a three-minute show, okay? It's going to be about what we're learning this week. And I'm going to talk for 30 seconds, and then I'm going to pass the microphone off to Susie, and she's going to, you know, talk about whatever next. There's really a lot of possibilities. Being able to do this... This easily is not something that's been around for very long. I mean, this is why I think it's the most exciting day ever to be a learner and to be a teacher, because there's so many possibilities of what we can do that, you know, were simply too hard. It was too expensive. It took too much time. Without an application like this, getting it to the web, being able, being able to have it here where I can click, I don't think I can do this real well on the smart board, but when I click this link, it's too quick. It says embed, so it gives me embed code just like we've embedded some of our videos. We can embed that on our website. It really took a lot more clicks even six months ago to do that than what it does now. So I want you to be thinking about that and the creative possibilities. Um, because this is just one example of an application like that and it's completely free there's no cost uh, as long as you have a device you've got to have some kind of a, a device if you want to do it mobile but you can also go to the website register and <clears throat> you can record with a microphone on your, on your computer so um, what we're going to do now is we're going to have our Pecha Kucha presentations for today and if you have not signed up on our um, website that says PK uh, Presentations, we have our link for 11 a.m. for sign up So hopefully your name is here somewhere for our presentations, and we're hoping Derek, Jesse, Tiffany, and Xavier are ready. If you're not, you need to move to another day. It's okay. We can, we can adjust, but um, we, if, if you're not on here, go ahead and... And send me an email um, after class and tell me what date you'd like to get plugged in so that we can get you on our schedule. All of us who are not presenting need to click the link that says Peer Evaluation Forms, 11 a.m. And let me just kind of step back to get to that so everyone can see how we're going to get to that page. I'm clicking on the PK Student Presentations. So the Pecha Kucha presentations, and at the very top, it says 11 a.m., that is going to take you to this form. This is the same one you used the day that I gave my first example. And if you click on the names, I've got our four people. Oops, that's not the right one. That's 9 a.m. Did it go to the right one for you? Yeah. Okay, good. I thought maybe I screwed up the link. Um, there they are. So we've got our four folks, and we will... Um, all fill out an evaluation for them. Now, your grade for the Pecha Kucha is not affected by what your peers say and write about you. Even though it has a place for your name, I will erase your name from the feedback I give to the presenters. Okay, So you are providing anonymous feedback. I want to know your name to know who you know has submitted, and I'm sure no one would submit anything inappropriate. And of course you could put, you know, This is open, there's things that... I'm the filter, okay? I'll be the filter. But it's a way for you to get more than just my feedback, okay? Because you all will have different ideas and different responses to these presentations, and it's kind of cool to get 20 people's feedback instead of just one. I also hope this is a good way to model how we can use a tool like this to communicate our expectations, right? Because this shows what we're hoping you're going to do with your presentation. Remember that (laughs) we're all going to be forgiving here, okay? It is scary, I know, to get up and present in front of the class, and particularly these are our risk takers that are the first ones to go. you know, if you want to, and it's a good thing to give suggestions, you know, make sure you're including some positive feedback as well. Sometimes we call that sandwiching, you know. You don't start off by saying, oh, I just can't believe you wore that shirt, you know. You would start off by saying, hey, I loved your topic. I thought that was great. You know, you might want to, you know, not consider wearing whatever. If you really wanted to talk about clothing, that's probably not the most critical thing to talk about. Does anybody have a question before we... Start. I'm basically going to ask for volunteers, so whoever is scheduled for today and wants to go first, you'll we'll bring your flash drive back, and I'm going to switch from my Mac to the um, Windows computer. And after today, when it's your turn, if, if, if you want, you can come in a little early, 10 or 15 minutes early, and we'll go ahead and load these up because we'll copy them onto this computer, and you can hang on to your flash drive. And Yes, and I'll help you, by the way. Don't feel like if you don't have your setup with the 20 seconds, we'll get that set up um, we before it, we start. Nope, I want you to do a pecha kucha.
2: No, I mean like a pecha kucha, but save it to it.
0: Oh, right. I think you'd asked me that before, right? Yeah, if you want to, somebody had, if you wanted to set 20 seconds and then have it play, yeah, sure. Okay. Somebody else had asked, can I do a movie inside it? And I really want you to, to do this model just as an experience. Um, I think it's a good presentation model for different reasons, but right. um, yeah, I mean, if you want to, the thing that we'll check is. We'll just make, need to make sure that the video is compatible. I'm sure it's fine. The worst case is we could plug it into the Mac and it'll probably play anything. Um, but the, the Windows machine should handle QuickTime or Windows Movie Maker or whatever else you do. Any other questions before we get started?
1: Uh
0: huh. Yeah. If you need to move a date because we had adjusted with snow days or whatnot, just send me an email and let me know what your situation is and when you'd like to move, and we'll get you switched. If it was today, that's okay. We'll switch you to another day. Just let me know what you'd like to change to. So last class we had three, you know, we had one person um, that didn't go, three that did. Normally we're going to have about five, and we'll start them pretty quick because obviously it takes takes some time. But at least you know when you're done. You're going to be done in six minutes and 20 seconds. Yes? It's okay, and also you can put in a second slide. Like if you want to talk about something for a longer period of time, you can put in a second image for that topic. It's okay. Yeah, and it's fine. I mean, it, it's all part of the experience as far as the slideshow going and, and your pacing and things like that. So, Okay, uh, go ahead, if you haven't already, link to the page. Do we have a volunteer for somebody who's ready to go th- today that would like to go first? All right, brave volunteer. Let me right there. go ahead and plug in if you want, and I'm going to swap this stuff around real quick. Okay used, like, our own of course, absolutely. So, if you actually want to copy from here. Yeah, if you open open up my computer and then open up your removable. Now, these computers are set up a little bit differently where you can't right click. So, if you click copy this file from the left um, there on the sidebar, and then just click copy, and it'll put it in my documents. All right, and looks like you're all set. So if you just want to go up to the front, I will go ahead and start you off. And what's the title or subject of your presentation? I to set up aquarium. All right. So and just tell me when you're ready. And oh, there you go. Uh, this is my aquarium.
1: kids something to have in class. Um definitely need to talk about science. Uh I have two different aquariums, but I'm gonna talk about how to set up and maintain one. This is an aquarium. Um this is what everybody wants when they talk about them, when they want an aquarium is a gorgeous saltwater aquarium with corals and stuff. Unfortunately this isn't very um attainable at home unless you have lots and lots of money. Um uh, s- aquariums can be um, expensive, but I've found that they don't have to be. This is my prize fish. This is my Oscar. Um, he's going to be a big fish. But before you can set up an aquarium, you need to know what kind of fish you want um, because different variants are. It's going to dictate how big of an aquarium you want, and that. Um, but when you're talking about size, too, is you want to talk about their attitude and their presence in the aquarium. You don't want to put a little beta with an Oscar. The Oscars are going to be them because Oscar ends up a a foot long versus an inch and a half. Um, and then you also want to talk about how, think about how big they grow. Um, this is my Jack Dempsey. He was an inch and a half on the left, and now he's six inches uh, six months later. So you don't want to put them in a small aquarium Um, if they're going to be a big fish. So you want to make sure that they have plenty of room to grow, plenty of room, um, plenty of water. And if you're trying to keep multiple fish of the same kind, you want to make sure you know about their breeding habits. These are my convicts. Um, They are uh, very, they breed a lot, and they breed very quickly. Um, However, I have fish in there that will take care of that. Um, but then,
2: um,
1: this is my 55 gallon. Um, when you figure out what fish you want, you have to have a tank to set up. Um, this is my 55. I've set it up how I like. Um, but you, then you can, once you got your tank, you can start decorating it how you like. Um, mine, I like natural, but unfortunately, with the fish I have, you can't use. You have to use artificial plants. Um, but you also need your foods. Um, different fish need different types of foods. Um, uh, you've got shrimp pellets for people that are like fish, catfish. Um, you've got my cichlid pellets, which are just smaller ones because I have African cichlids, which are smaller fish, um, and then the big ones. But you need a, a water siphon, um, depending on how big your aquarium is, to, su- to clean out the gravel. You need a fish net, and then you need dechlorinator as your bare minimum, just so you're, you can dechlorinate. There's chlorine and hard metals in your water that you need to take out so your fish can be in the water. Um, and then a a bucket. Once you have all that, you can set your aquarium up, um, and decorate it how you like. There's not really any, just make sure you're using aquarium safe decorations, um, otherwise you can set it up however you like, um, like this one. He's got all kinds of different stuff, I'm more, I like my natural looking. once you set your aquarium up, you can add some fish. Um, you don't want to add a whole lot at first. You want to add just a couple, um, because your tank is going to have to cycle. Um, and it's, it's a nitrogen cycle, which is um, the processing of ammonia, the, the waste of the fish, and so it's not toxic. Once that cycle's over, it takes a little bit. You can add more fish. Um, but these are cardinal fish, um, great saltwater fish. Um, but they, you, you want to add them a small amount of time. You don't want to add this many fish to an aquarium at a time unless you have an extremely large aquarium. But you don't want to add too many fish. Um, at the same time, you, you want about an inch, uh, inch of full-grown fish to eat gallon, a gallon of water in your aquarium. Um, except for goldfish and koi, you want about two inches for every gallon, um, just because goldfish are dirty. Um But once you get it up and running, you're gonna have to clean the glass. Algae is unfortunately a it's a good sign, but it, you know, it's not always visually uh, pleasurable. Um, as you see, this guy, he's cleaning a giant aquarium. Um, but you can have you can buy certain animals or certain fish to clean it. Um, and this guy, he's demonstrating vacuuming your gravel. Um, it's essential with any kind of aquarium setup. Um, just because you want to get pull the debris out of the gravel so that you have clean water, um, and it's water is not toxic for your fish. Um, but you have different types of setups. This would be a species only setup because you can't put anything in the aquarium with the prana, and or it's going to get eaten. Um, it's just the species only is you have one type of species uh, fish and it is it. And um, just for the, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of fighting. But you can also have gorgeous planted aquariums. Um, these you can have them. Uh, plants aren't too expensive, and it's kind of a cool thing to show um, uh, kind of ecology and maybe an upper-level uh, classroom. Uh, but they're very nice to look at. And then you have saltwater aquariums. Um, unfortunately, saltwater aquariums are very finicky. They're not. They're not easy to keep. Um, not to discourage anyone, um, but once you have them set up, they're a little bit easier, and the bigger aquarium you have with saltwater, the easier it is to set up. Um, but once you, and this is um, a research project of the University of Hawaii, and it's called aquaponics, and it's using the fish waste to grow plants, and I thought about using this as a community service type deal. Um, in a science class to grow excess vegetables and whatever you grow with a, a, group, you can donate uh, to local shelters and stuff, um, but once you have everything set up how you like it, you can just sit back and um, watch your aquarium, um, and you just have to do water changes about once every two weeks, which is about 25%, which isn't much, in, but that's my presentation. All right. and do questions and
0: How do you determine whether a object is aquarium
1: friendly? Um, you have... A lot of places will tell you. Like, and if you buy all your stuff from, like, PetSmart or um, Petco uh, or local fish shops, they usually only carry aquarium-safe. Um, I wouldn't put anything in there that's not marked as so. Um, but there's some... Subs- like, aquarium, like... Uh, Seashells probably aren't going to do much to your aquarium since they're already in the water in the wild. Um, they may discolor your water a little bit, though. So um, that's the only thing is you don't want to you don't want to put metal is the big deal. Plastics and stuff usually aren't bad, but I just wouldn't personally put anything that's not marked as being aquarium safe. Any questions? I've been interested in fish in general since I was a kid. Um, I really got into aquariums about a year and a half ago, Um, and I have, like I said, I have two aquariums. Um, This is this is when my original aquarium, my fifty-five, was African cichlids, which they're very aggressive, but they're really they're the closest thing you can get to very colorful fish without going to saltwater, but. Um, I wouldn't advise it for little kids just because they I'm having a problem with keeping some of them from beating other ones up so um, they're bullied yeah they're and it's and it's all about the right numbers and I mean and the biggest thing i with I meant to say uh, I'm talking about the research is you got to know once you pick a fish, you got to know everything about, as much as you can know about that fish and their behavior and stuff, because some fish, like prawns are only good for species-only tanks, and others are good in community tanks. So, I mean, research is, is and asking people at local fish stores is a great way. Um, I know my, the only place I really buy fish here in Oklahoma is um, Wet Pets in Norman, and... Um, they have, they're great. I mean, they'll, set you, they'll tell you anything you need to know. I mean, and they're not afraid to be, you, you can't have that fish. So, and it's fun just to go look, because they have all kinds of stuff. Anything else? All
0: right, let's give Derek another hand. All right, please go ahead and submit your feedback form. You do have to put something in every box, but you can just, you know, if you don't have a, a comment in a particular area, you can just say all good or no comments. Do we have a volunteer to go next? All
2: right.
0: Do we go back to the form after this one? Yes. You can click the form. Um, it'll it should give you the link, and it'll give you a fresh version after you finish.
2: last spring break, to Germany and France. We went to Frankfurt, Mainz, Colmar, uh, Strasbourg, France, Colmar, France, and then Paris. Right. So I'm going to try to hit all the cities. Sorry, I am confusing. Are you ready? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. In Frankfurt, they take pride in their architecture. This is actually a mall. It looks like it has a hole in it. That's actually how it was designed. In Frankfurt, they have a building from every architectural era, and they have a law that protects those buildings. They cannot be torn down. So in 10 years, if they decide this is awful and ugly, they can't tear it down. It's there. This is a plaque in the middle of the city of Frankfurt, in the square, and it actually commemorates a book burning where certain people decided they didn't like the books their children were learning. So they had a book burning. They went to the university and the libraries and the schools, took all the books they didn't like and burned them right here. It was a huge bonfire. It lasted for a week. This is the cathedral in Mainz, Germany. And as you can see, it has seven different architectural eras represented in this one building because it was struck by lightning three times and then a candle fell over on the altar and lit it on fire. So it has gothic, renaissance, and medieval. Those are just the three you can see in the picture. This is the Gutenberg Bible. It's actually a representation of it, made the exact way Johann Gutenberg would have made his Bible. This is the first chapter of John, written in, a certain, it's in old English, so you couldn't quite understand what it said. But it was made the exact way that Johann Gutenberg would have made his, with the exception that the decoration is different. No one can re- can replicate what Johann Gutenberg did, how he decorated his Bible. This is, it looks like a wine press, but it's actually the printing press. That's actually how he made his printing press, was based off how a wine press works. It's really complicated and very heavy. We tried to like actually make one, and we couldn't do it. We were too weak. Um, this is called Hote Koningsberg. It's the castle of the High King. It's built on top of a mountain. You can still see the mountain in this picture right here. Um, it's built into the mountain. It's a medieval castle. You can see the tiny little windows. Those are archer windows. And it was freezing. They had one huge fireplace to heat the entire thing. It was so cool. though. This is the Statue of Liberty in Colmar, France. I thought it was really random because it's like a tiny little replica of what our Statue of Liberty looks like. And since France gave us the Statue of Liberty, but it wasn't from Colmar that they gave it to us. So I just thought it was really random. It's in the middle of the town square of Colmar, France. And then this is the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Strasbourg, France, not in Paris. This one's different because it took over 200 years to build, and they designed it out of lace. They took the design that you sew lace, and they put it into a building. So they made the building look like it's made of lace. It's really, really interesting. The intricate designs took over 200 years. This is the astronomical clock inside the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Strasbourg. Um, Basically, it has an astrolabe, a calendar, the clock at the bottom. And then at the top, there's a teenager or a child, a teenager, a man, and then an old man. Now, as the old man rotates in front of death, death hits him on the head, and he dies. And then it goes through the thing again. It was really cool. This is the Three Graces. It's in the Louvre Museum in Paris, France. This is my favorite statue of the entire Louvre, and I have no idea why. I just really liked it. It was really pretty. And these are the three muses of Roman. Uh, mythology. I thought they were really pretty. And then, this is gelato. It's not just Italian. It's all over Europe. Um, this one is mango, raspberry, strawberry, pecan, rum, mocha chocolate, double chocolate, and I don't know what this one was. I couldn't pronounce it or translate it, so I didn't know what it was. It looked like it has berries on top, but they were all good. I tried three of them. Um, this is Saint-Chapelle in Paris. It's right on the street from Notre-Dame, and there are 15 windows that look just like this. Each window represents a book of the Bible, and then each circular window inside represents a story from that book of the Bible. So it took forever for them to build it, all the stained glass is original, it survived all the world wars, and it is absolutely gorgeous. The entire thing is beautiful. This is what I call Paris in the morning. All of these are homemade, baked that morning, Um, same bakery, all of it. We just found it on the corner of a park in Paris. I had to buy three because they just all looked really, really good. And they look like desserts, but they're breakfast. Just loved it. And this is the Hall of Mirrors at the Palace of Versailles. It's 45 minutes outside of Paris. Um, everything you see that's gold is made of real gold. The chandeliers, there's only... I think there's 10 of them in the entire hall. This is not even the full hall. It goes behind me, too. Um, these are the windows. These are the mirrors. Whenever the sun rises, it actually lights up the whole thing and makes the entire thing look like it's made of gold. This is the Paris Opera House. It's designed after the Hall of Mayors at Versailles, but all of this is fake gold. And they have to double the chandeliers, because in Paris you don't get nearly as much sunlight as you do at Versailles. So it's all fake gold, but it's still really pretty. And it's tiny, too. This is the Moulin Rouge. I'm obsessed with the movie, so I had to take a picture of the actual nightclub here in Paris. No, we could not go inside. We were on a school trip. Um, But it is the Moulin Rouge because it's a red windmill. And if you've seen the movie with Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, you know what I'm talking about. It's wonderful. However, everything around it is triple X. We were not allowed to look at the windows. This is the La Tour Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower. It's a symbol of love to every country except for France. In France, they call it a hideous hunk of metal. Um, Everyone was against it in Paris. They thought it was ugly and horrid. But now it's the symbol of love, which they do not understand. They don't like it. This is the Notre Dame, the most famous cathedral in all of France. Um, really, it wasn't that pretty. I mean, I mean it's cool, but it wasn't as cool as the one in Strasbourg. for. All of these around the doors, they were saints. And during the French Revolution, the people didn't know that they were saints. They thought they were kings. So they cut off all the heads of the statues. They were later found in a trunk in the crypt of the Notre Dame. And so this is Victor Hugo. He is <laughs> carved onto a gargoyle. Because his book, *The Hunchback of Notre Dame*, made this cathedral famous. The Notre Dame was gonna have to be torn down because they couldn't—they didn't have enough money to keep it open until his book came out, and people thought it was famous, so they came to see it, and they wanted to see the hunchback, and so it made it famous, so they put him on a gargoyle. That's thanks for you. Um, this is the very center point of France. It's right outside the Notre Dame Cathedral. This legend is, if you step on this star, then you have to come back to Paris. So of course we all had to step on it because we want to go back. Um, this is where we ended our trip, was actually on the spot, and then we had to go to the airport and leave. So I thought that was pretty good. The Gutenberg Museum and the Cathedral. Yeah. So, was Paris actually as dirty as they say? Yes.
1: <laughs> it smells
2: awful. Unless you're on the Champs Elysees, it smells like cigarette smoke and trash. No. So. No question about how long you
0: were
2: there. Um, I was there for 12 days. So, it's a nine-hour plane ride, and that's calculated in.
0: What, what architecture was the most impressive to you and
2: the architecture was Frankfurt just because they value it so much. Like there's a the hideous building from the 1950s. I didn't think it was that bad, but they were talking about how awful it was. Our tour guide was like, "It needs to be torn down. We're trying to get the law amended just so we can tear down this one building." But it was just like a spiky Easter egg. That's what it looked like. And they're like, "It's from the 1950s. We hate it. We don't know why we built it." And I was like, "But it's a part of your history." And they go, "Yeah, that's why the law's protecting it." So I just thought it was really cool how they thought that a building that looked like it had a hole in it was art. And they made every building just like that. It had to be art. And then downtown, there's skyscrapers. Since skyscrapers, they believe are ugly, they all have to have a piece of art in front of their skyscraper. Or else, their skyscraper, they don't get the building. Someone else gets to have the building and has to put a piece of art in front of it. It's a law that they have to decorate the town with art. So. And the was, how long did you
1: get it through the room
2: Okay, if you spend one minute in front of every piece of art in the Louvre, you will be there for over a year. What? We only had three hours. So we were basically <laughs> running to all the famous stuff, and they, like you could hear people say, Americans, as we ran <laughs> by, because we really wanted to see like the Code of Hammurabi. And I'd been there before, so I wanted to see my favorite statue. And um, like... Just all the really amazing things we had to see, and then we, we spent the last 30 minutes running to like, oh, this sounds cool, let's go here. Oh, that's a mile away. Let's go um, somewhere else. It was really cool though. You know that the Louvre is actually big enough that they used to release foxes in the Louvre, and then the king would ride his horse with his hounds through the Louvre to try to catch the fox. That's how huge this place is, and it's covered with art. They actually closed two wings just for storage of art. So you can only go through a third of it, but it's really cool. So. <coughs> okay. All right, let's give
0: About Google Reader and review a little bit of what hopefully you've started doing after your week four assignment. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Scratch and have a chance to just explore briefly um, some projects in Scratch and see how uh, that works. So before I do that though, I want to point out that um, our video, maybe what, on week three was Blogging Buddies, and we're going to do Blogging Buddies. If you look, at the link of week six that says Blog Buddies. We're going to do Blog Buddies in several ways this semester. And the first way is just between sections. So I teach a, a 9 o'clock section that just met before we came. And I have asked all of them to put in their name and then the address to their blog on our site. What I would like for you to do now is to put in your name and then the address to your blog. And you're gonna put your name next to the person who's gonna be your blog buddy. So you basically, you all get to decide. Naeem doesn't, doesn't get to decide the blog buddies. The way that you will do that is on our blog, and I'll click resources, and then click our hit blog link. On the side of our blog is our directory. And so when you click your name, that is the link that you're going to want to copy that goes directly to your blog. So, the idea here, we're not at this point recording, you know, here's the place where I left my comment, but I would like for you this week, for the post that you write, at, at, at least, I'd like you to leave a comment on your blog buddy and the 9 a.m. Sections blog, and they should do the same thing for you. I hope that we will also do two other blog buddy activities this year, uh, in addition to doing this between classes, there's a friend of mine named uh, Dean Mance, who teaches the same Technology for Teachers class, but he's up in Sterling, Kansas. And if you were with us for the Illuminate session or listened to that, he actually came in briefly. I'm going. We're going to do a similar thing with him and his students. Um, and then the other thing that we're going to do, and you don't have to worry about going here or doing any of this yet but there's a great project that's called Comments for Kids and some classroom teachers um, created initially this wiki and now they have a, a blog called Comments for Kids at Blogspot and so they have actually listed their blogs so that people like us who are learning about blogs or just want to write comments for students can find these classes, and then we can be a participant. And so we can add our name to the participant list, and um, and we'll be able to uh, leave comments on on their blog. So that's something we'll do later. You don't have to worry about that right now. But but uh, hopefully you will be able to get your name in there, and then put your kid blog address, and now you have a blog buddy who is in the other class. You're of course always welcome to leave comments on more than you know just whatever is required. Uh, a lot, you know, several of you have done that. Um, one of the th- reasons why I want to do this is, when you have a class blog, ideally everybody is going to have an audience, and you're not going to have anybody who you know never gets any comments on any of their posts or anything. So one way of doing that is is kind of by setting this up. In this way, I would love to get a blog, a blogging buddy project going in Oklahoma, where we actually, like they saw, like you saw in that video, you know, partner with classes and, um, you know, my kids have done some pen pal activities before, but um, there's a lot of value in not just having the virtual comments, but then being able to get together and meet your blog buddy and that kind of thing, like they did in that video. There were a lot of comments that people said, I didn't know first graders would do this and I, you know, I'm not sure about that. Motivation's so important, right? If I'm motivated to do something, I'm gonna do it longer, I'm probably gonna do it better, I'm gonna spend more time at it. And so, um, you know, it's kind of a, ba- not kind of, it is. A basic human need is having people pay attention to, to me and listen to me and you know provide feedback. And learning how to provide constructive comments is an important thing. Uh, which we're going to talk about and and work on um, because that's something for us to work on with our students, too. It doesn't take long on YouTube to see there's a lot of people who are not thinking about the power of their words and how, you know, words matter. I mean, and and the things that you say um, can really have an impact on people. So that's the blog buddy assignment. Next thing I want to talk about is I want to highlight two of your posts. Is Lisa here or is Lisa? Yeah, that's me. Lisa um, was one person who really wrote an exemplary post. I, I actually have uh, two posts linked. I, I, I don't know, didn't know what to do. So I did one of them as a exclamation point and one of them as an asterisk. You do not need to go back on your... Um, that's not it. It's the first one. You don't need to go back on your blog post if you didn't get the video in and put it in. I, I would like everyone to be able to post um, the, a video and a the link and have a, an image. But everybody get, who has submitted the quiz got full credit because you know lots of stuff has happened and we're all learning this kind of stuff. I would like for everybody, the best you can, to follow our rubric. So Lisa just did a great job with a little introductory paragraph with a link, and here's her video, and then you can see how she broke down her reflection as she went above and beyond. You don't have to write two paragraphs, but she, and you also don't have to break it out as she did, but you know, this makes it really clear. There was her takeaway, this was how it connected with her experiences, and these were ideas for her teaching practice, and she included a picture. So This was just a real exemplary um, blog post, and I showed this to the 9AM section as well. If at any time in our class you are feeling like you don't want to write on this public blog and you don't want to have this public, contact me and talk with me and we can have you do everything in Blackboard hidden for no one else in the world to see. But I hope one of the things that you're going to experience in our class is how positive and powerful it can be to share on a public site like a blog and how we can moderate the comments. Now, if I go to this link, does anybody notice anything unusual about the second commenter here? It's the author, right? That's Darren. Now, I am never going to do something uh, in terms of of sharing something that you've written or you've posted that is going to, I'm going to intend to make you feel uncomfortable or feel, you know, like you're being... um, in some kind of awkward situation. In this case, I actually forwarded Darren this link in uh, Twitter last night. You can actually see what time uh, our comments were, um, and <laughs> just you know wanted to say, hey, thanks so much for your presentation. I wanted you to know that you know my students are learning a lot from what you're writing. So you know he didn't have to do this, but he went ahead and wrote a comment on that particular post. This is the kind of thing that can happen today. The first time I ever taught an undergraduate graduate class at Wayland Baptist University in Lubbock, we actually used a book by David Warlick, and and this just happened spontaneously because he has had a Google alert for his name, and he one day we came into class and one of my students had a comment from him. Oh my gosh, you know the author of our textbook just wrote a comment on my blog. You know that kind of thing never happened to me when I was in school and um, it's possible today. So I want you to understand that I'm going to do everything I can to hope to have your experience here on our class blog and the things that we share be very positive and very constructive. In this case, I was amplifying um, this, this post. And help me, because I should know. But T. Perry is, is T. Perry here? You are, tell me your first name. Alright, so this is Tina. So I was amplifying um, Tina's blog and you know this is like the second time we've been in class face to face, right? So it's pretty challenging with 50 students as far as getting to know people, but every single one of you that submitted the quiz, I read every, you know, both of your posts and left you comments. So if we hadn't been using a blog, there's no way I would have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to hear Your voice and and different ideas that you have. So there's different levels at which, you know, the blog is a powerful thing. Um, On WebCT, I want to let you know that. It's probably going to make me log in again. You can uh, now look at your grades. So if you um, submitted. Don't you hate it when it does that? Huh. I wonder where my other. My other running example.
1: close
0: it. Oh, that's nice. One of the things that should be good is I think they're going to install a copy. Yeah. I think they're going to install a copy of Chrome um, in this lab, which should be a good thing. Chrome is a faster browser, and it also tends to work better with. Some of the tools that we use, um, like we're using Google Reader and things like that. we will try this again. So if you want to, you should be able to log into your WebCT and click on the side where it says My Grades. And I think this is our section. I'll go to Student. It's giving you a security warning? Yeah. What does it say?
1: Code will oh. be treated as unsigned.
0: Okay. Well, go ahead and click OK. And go ahead and give it another try. Click on No, that. Log click. Out. No, no, just go oh, and, just, ahead and click oh, on it again okay. and give it another try to see. So you'll notice that uh, you've got Quiz Two, which is what we're going to talk about right now—the Google Reader assignment, which is just sharing your ten feeds, which. Um, you need to subscribe to and then when you go over here to my grades you should be able to see um, your grade. so only in a couple cases people had some trouble um, getting their link uh, posted correctly and so in those cases I just ask them to or ask you to resubmit that Oops. and so you can go ahead and do that as soon as you can and there's no penalty for submitting that late but just you know try and do that Um, I encourage you to try and do your best to stay up with our assignments as we go through the semester, just because I know from experience if we don't, you know, the end of the semester gets crazy. And what I actually try to do is have the bulk of our stuff done before the end of the semester, because usually in your other classes you'll have, you know, major things going on. And we just are going to do our projects throughout so that hopefully we get to the end, um, you know, we have a final, final, I think, but it's not going to be a big project at the very end. Okay, any questions about WebCT or, or grades or, yes? Why
1: what not your WebCT, like, usually when I have a classical WebCT page, you can just go to my courses, Uh huh. but uh-huh. it won't let me do it. Really? Yeah, it just says bring it up for my courses, but you can, you can go to one of your other classes and just hit it's my
2: WebCT. Or right. can you can go to learn.uco.edu.
0: Right. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know why it didn't show up that way. Maybe it was how they populated it or they turned it on. The way that I'm usually getting to it is um, under resources. That's where I've got links to our blogs, and then I've got the link uh, to WebCT, which is, like you said, learn.uco.edu. So, or um, for some reason for mine, it's not showing my WebCT. Let's see if it's here. Here it is, my WebCT. And so there's my all the courses that I'm enrolled in. Feel free to send me a message within WebCT if... Um, you know, actually that's probably preferable than regular email just because I know which section you're in you know it comes inside our section but either one is fine and um, I think there are I did get everybody's quizzes in both sections graded and I got all of the email and webCT there's still a couple emails that I did not reply to yet and I will get I'll get caught up with those but um, any other questions about just the, the grades yes. Um. Or, okay, something else. Well,
2: I just for some reason cannot copy and paste my link into the spreadsheet. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm double-clicking it, and I've tried to right-click.
0: Try to do, yeah, do a Control-V. Click in the box after you copy it, and then do Control-V and see if that'll paste it in there. Does that work? Okay. Okay, good. Yes? Uh, it's not in here. You need to put it in. You've got to write your name in there. So just add it there at the bottom of the column, and then you can put your blog address. And if you need to do that afterwards, too, we can do that. If anybody is still not being able to log into the blog, um, as a just kind of a side note, 9AM <clears throat> is using a, a site called EduBlogs, and I actually really like our, our blog, KidBlog, a lot better. I wanted to try both of them to, to kind of learn about it. Last night, I noticed that there were words that it was making into advertisements on people's posts, and that was very irritating to me. So I actually paid $15 for that site and upgraded it and took the ads off. And so, anyway, you can have different themes and stuff like that that are on your sites. I wanted to use free tools for both of them, and I had to take the ads off of that one. So I really, though, like KidBlog. Um, I like the way that it shows up here and shows our comments and everything. It gives our blog directory Yeah, I mean, the color, you can definitely do a whole lot more with the design. In fact, I changed the design last night, you know, to something different. Um, I also wanted it to show the person who's posting it here. One of the things it doesn't do here is create this directory, right? We have our directory right here. I can go to somebody's individual posts, and that's something I have to manually create over here. Okay, so let's now go to our assignments for the week. Um, these are linked a couple places. When you click Assignments, you've got all of our weeks here at the top, and you can click week, week 6. You can see in the Google Calendar here we're on the 16th, and ideally I would like you to turn in your Quiz 2, your Google Reader assignment, by next class, so, By, by uh, sometime in the next week. Go ahead and turn that in. Um, What we're going to talk about next is, what is that? What is the the Google Reader assignment, and how do I do it? So, on our schedule, a couple weeks ago on week four, when we had our first ice and snow day, we had the topic of Google Reader. And how many, did anybody use Google Reader before this class? Had anybody ever?
1: I, I have a historical research where we have to use, and I haven't
0: been successful. Okay. It's not super common. I'm not going to hook my laptop up again, but <clears throat> the most, well, the sexiest app on the iPad without a doubt is this. It's called Flipboard, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll demo it next week. It is an app <clears throat> which takes the subscriptions you have, the channels that you subscribe to, <clears throat> and makes it into a really dynamic digital newspaper. So it's not just things like USA Today, Time, National Geographic. When you subscribe to a blog, it will take that channel, or your Facebook. It takes my Facebook newsfeed and it makes a newspaper out of the links that people share on Facebook or on Twitter and things like that. So Google Reader is a way to make a digital newspaper for yourself. And what I'd like you to go ahead and do now is let's log in to Google Reader. You can do that a couple ways. One way is to simply go to Google and... um, When you just go to google.com, up in the upper right corner, you've got the link to sign in. And as we explained or tried to explain in week four, although we were not face-to-face, you can do this a couple ways. You can put in, you can make a Google account with your UCO email. I, I really like having a Gmail account, and it's what I use as my primary mail, but you don't have to do that. And you'll have access to all the Google stuff except for email if you set it up with something else. But you need to, you know, write down, keep it in a safe place. I might have mentioned this before, but treat your passwords like a credit card. You know, you wouldn't leave a credit card just laying out on the desk. You know, just put a sticky note with your number on your computer. You wouldn't do that. So treat it just like you would a credit card and protect it. And when you're logged in, there's all these different things that Google provides. In fact, there's even more. Maybe we'll see if we have time to talk about that sometime. But Google gives all of its employees one day a week to work on any project they want. It's called their 20% time because they know that people are going to be creative um, when they're allowed to work on stuff they care about and that they are passionate about. And that's how a lot of these Google tools came about, was from uh, 20% time of employees. Underneath more is where Google Reader is. And so on our uh, assignment which I'll go back to here, for week four, we had some videos talking about what RSS was and an aggregator uh, and this Google Reader in Plain English. And then your assignment for week four was you needed to subscribe to at least 10 feeds, so that means 10 sites, and then I asked you to try to do two of those as Google Alerts. Did um, anybody have a Google Alert that you set up that you thought would be actually helpful or something that you, not just for the class, but did you think of a Google Alert that, hey, you'd really like that if it happened? What'd you do? A weather alert, okay. Uh, so were you able to limit that to, was it from the Google, the Google Alerts page or was it on, how did you set that up? Okay. So does it, will it do a severe weather alert or what does it do? Huh, okay. Uh, anybody else have a search that they, they put in? Some people will do their kids. Um, a friend of mine who works at K-State in Manhattan <clears throat> learned about an accident, actually, that her college-age son was in because she had a Google Alert set up. And when she talked to him on the phone that evening, he said, what happened? How, what, how'd you know what happened? Well, I saw it on the web. What do you mean you saw it on the web? How'd you do that? Well, the newspaper had published his name as having in a car accident, and she immediately got an alert that said his name was in the news. So, <clears throat> in this case, we're not going to say email. Sometimes you might want that, but I get... Plenty of email. So, how can I make sure that this is not, well, this is just Alexander Fryer. That's my son's name. Quotation marks, right? Quotation marks means the exact phrase. I only want that exact phrase. Now, it's a good idea to preview results and see. You can see the difference it makes if you um, use quotes or don't use quotes. Okay? So, there is an Alexander Fryer who's on Facebook, but that's not my son. not have a Facebook yet. He's 13. Um, I can go ahead and create that alert. I think maybe, maybe I'll do one for my wife. You can do one for your school. Um, you could do one for different things. But when I say create the alert... Um, there it gives me my choices here, and I can view it in Google Reader, or I can copy the feed address, right? So what I'm going to show you now is the way that you can collect your feeds that you subscribe to. Isn't that a nice little error? This is one of the reasons I like Chrome, and Google Reader will work in Internet Explorer, but it's not as fast, and it doesn't work quite as well as it does in other browsers. How can I organize my feeds? So I have um, a lot of different subscriptions, things that I'm subscribed to, and I've put these into folders. Okay, And when I don't put something into a folder like this, the Google Alert for Shelly, it just shows up down here under my subscriptions. And so I'm going to show you how you can put those things into... A folder and share them. Now I'm going to show you this fast on the screen, but I have a step-by-step instructions about how to do that on your assignment. Your assignment for this week has two parts. There's the Google Reader part and there's the Scratch part. One of our resources for this class is a blog that I call a Frequently Asked Questions blog. And when you have a question or somebody else does, a lot of times I will take more time and answer it in detail with pictures so that I can get a really good explanation because then I get to share that link. This is an example. How do I organize my feeds in Google Reader for pictures here? This is what I'm about to show you. I'm going to click on the feed and then it's going to give me feed settings and let me put it in a folder. I can create a folder or I can put it in a folder that I already have. Then, with that folder, I'm going to create a bundle and get a link to copy that bundle. Okay, so it's a four-part process and this is on that page for you to be able to go back to and see. So, let me, let's me let take a look at how this works. Um, So here's the Google Alert for her. Now that I've clicked on it, I can change the feed settings. It's not in a folder right now. I can go put this into a new folder by choosing New Folder. Or after I've created it, then I can just select it. I thought, well, I have one called Friends. and family. You know, I could I could put it in any one of these categories that I want. That particular feed is now organized in a folder. So, I'm going to be able to go to that category and see everything everything that's in that category. And let me show you an example here with my I'll go down to my tech blogs. So here are all the different sites that I subscribe to that are different technology blogs. This is part of kind of how I stay up on things. All think about this as a river, right? All this content is coming into this one place. As you move your mouse over to, and this is hard to see on the screen because it's in the bottom left corner and you, it's probably blocked. When you click the little arrow beside there, it gives you a choice to create a bundle. Okay, This is taking all of the feeds, and so ideally you're going to have at least 10 feeds. They can be about anything. They don't have to be about a specific topic. But I want you to put them in a folder, and then you're going to create a bundle. This bundle is then going to, and this is an Internet Explorer error, that um, it's showing it over the top there. This bundle is going to be saved so that you then have a link to be able to turn in. All right? So the only thing that you're going to turn in is the bundle link to your blogs, and that's your, that's your Google Reader assignment. I had a hard time trying to figure out what exactly your assignment would be with Google Reader. Um, I want to introduce you to this concept and encourage you to use this kind of a tool because, okay, here we go. Um, I really believe filtering information is one of the most important things we need to know how to do today. If you think there's a lot of information today, just wait five years. Because the explosion we're in this the exponential change and we're in the elbow of the curve and that means that stuff is going vertical and if there were you know I don't know a, a half a million blogs last year that you know that's doubling and, and doubling means uh, your mind gets blown when you see how much there is. So being able to filter information and get the stuff that you want is an important skill and Google Reader is an important tool that can do that. If I wanted to now share my um, tech blogs and turn in my quiz, that's what I want to copy right there. Okay, You do not need 77 feeds. Okay, You just need 10. But you will copy this link and that's what you're going to turn in to me. Okay? I am going to look at that. and This is what it's going to look like when I see it. It's going to be a page that shows the bundle, and it shows that you have your feeds, okay? Whatever your feeds are that you've got in there. And if I wanted to, I could subscribe to them because you can share feeds this way. Um, And that's that's it for Google Reader, okay? Um, If you run into difficulty with this, you know, contact me. um, I'm going to have an open lab time on Friday this week, probably at 9 or 10. I've got to go confirm... The lab availability, and I will send out a text message as well as put an announcement post on our class blog about it. Um, but we can do this together. If you want to, you know, come in and, and, and do this together, uh, have me help you out. I'd be glad to do that. Um, you know, if you don't get this done by next week, don't don't panic. You're not going to suffer horrible, you know, consequences. Um, but you know, if you look at our syllabus. Each one of your projects is basically 10% of your grade. So this is real. I mean, this this counts for 10% of your your, um, 10% of your, your grade in the class. Um, given some of the things that we're going to do in other projects, this is a, a fairly quick one to be able to do. But you need to subscribe to the, to the feeds that you want to first. So does anybody have a question about Google Reader? And don't think there's a silly question, too. If you're lost right now and you're like, I didn't do week four. I have no idea what a feed is. I mean, the floor is open. You can ask whatever you'd like. Yes? I actually just put it, the link is on the assignment, and I did it as a screenshot. Um, Sometimes I'll do this where I do screenshots and show. Other times I'll do a screencast. I kind of like this better because you don't have to play it and sit there for two minutes. You know, you can scan it quicker. But this link about how to set up your bundle and share your bundle, um, it's linked right there on our assignment, and it's the FAQ link. Yes? So after you get the alert, anything that you add, and this, this is the other way to add the subscription, right? I could go to a website and add a subscription to their page. Anytime you do that, it shows up really at the bottom of your subscriptions. So when I go all the way to the bottom, here's the Google alert I had for my dad, for Tom Fryer. It's here at the bottom. Um, That's where you're going to click on it, at the bottom of your subscriptions. And then you can put it in the folder by clicking on feed settings and putting it in there. Okay? Pam, did you have a question? Okay, so that's a great question. How do you recover your uh, your information if you forget it? So I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to um, say recover Google account. And so there's a help page. Here's a, a help page for um, for Google accounts. Did you set it up uh, with an email address like with your UCO, or did you make up a new one? Okay.
2: Could you go into your Google Reader and search for Tina Perry's subscription?
0: If I had subscribed, I mean, if she had turned something in to me, I could. Oh, okay, but but since she hasn't see. turned it in yet, I don't think I could do that. Um, worst case is you'll, you'll need to create a new account. But I would go here to the, the options under, under accounts for help articles. And see did you do you know if you put another email address in when you did it? Did you put a because sometimes it says secondary email?
2: Oh, use an email I already
0: have. Uh huh, right. Right, so it may have been different. If you put in some kind of information, and Google will now ask you actually for a cell phone sometimes too, and some people are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to have my cell phone, but they can actually text you your password, you know, if you want to have that. They don't publish your cell phone. So if you didn't put any information in about an email address that you have, or a cell phone number, or some way for them to contact you, you you may have to create your account again, or actually. Sleep on it and tell your brain in the night, I want you to think about my password, my username. Maybe you'll wake up in the morning and you'll know it. (laughs) But basically, you're in a situation where you're going to need to guess and and try try to remember what that is. I do recommend that you write down your um, account information. And like I said, just treat it like a credit card. Put it on this little slip of paper. Keep it in your wallet or your purse. Um, But if you don't have information in there where they can get back with you, I think you're going to have to either guess try to guess what it is or recreate the account. So that's okay. That happens. Any other questions about that?
1: Yes?
2: Yeah, I to before
1: and then I log in this time I like nothing.
0: So in the feeds, it depends on if they've put things new in there or not. Yeah, I mean, it says have no oh it says you have no subscriptions, really? It's possible that you may have logged in with a different account, but you're pretty sure it was the same one because you can create accounts with an existing email and a separate Google one. It shouldn't lose your account, I mean, your subscriptions, as long as you're in the same account. So, but it can get confusing too because sometimes people have an account like set up with their UCO email, but then they'll have a Gmail too. So make sure you're logged in with that same account. Um, Remember that on our web page, on the Google Reader page, I give you a bunch of suggestions for what you, where you can go to subscribe. Um, real easy places here. I've got um, NPR feeds. NPR is one news agency. They do everything as a feed. Okay? So, I mean, you could just do ten of those, and that's it. You don't even have to go to another site. Um, you know, that, that's one thing. So, you would simply copy, if you wanted to do health and science, you simply copy the shortcut to that feed, and you go into your Google Reader, and you add a subscription. Okay, any other questions or things about Google Reader? Okay, let's talk a little bit about Scratch. On our page for today's class, our week six stuff, When you go to assignment, it asks you to do two things with Scratch, and it's not to create anything today. It is going to be to explore at least one featured project on the Scratch site and to make an account. And feel free if you want to do this while we're talking, you can, or you can just uh, watch. Scratch is a website where people can share their projects, and you can create an account here using whatever username you want. Please write down whatever username that you have so that you will be able to get into it. You do not have to use your real name. You do not have to put your picture in. You can you know, just do this anonymously, however you want. But one of the reasons why I want you to use an account is because it will let you save favorites and um, basically keep a record of some things that you've seen because your post this week is not on a video, you don't have to go watch a video. I want you to look at at least one featured project here on the Scratch site, and then I want you to, to write a post about it and, and some of the things that they did. So let me show you a pretty amazing example, and then we'll look at some more sort of tame examples. Uh, this is one I found last October when we were, I was teaching in North Texas, and it's called the Monster Mash. You've probably heard that song before. And so the folks that created this one, bless you, um, if you look up here in the corner, um, you know, I've, I've got here on a link, browse the featured projects. And so you'll go right to featured projects. It says for each project up here in the corner, how many sprites and how many scripts. And I have no clue how long it took them to do this, or how many people collaborated on this, but this is kind of amazing. And so when I click this link, it will actually download and open in Scratch. So here is the Monster Mash, and we will take it from the top. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but...
2: My eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the, match. He did the, monster, match. the monster match It was a graveyard smash he did the It got on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match From my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom of the vampire's peace. The girls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the the monster man. man.
0: It was a great Okay, I won't subject you to the whole song. But (laughs) oh my goodness! How old do you think the person was who did this? Probably. Teenager, you're betting? Anybody have another bet? The next generation of technology probably like grade two or three. Yeah, it was a four-year-old. No, I I don't actually know (laughs) how old they were, but probably not an adult. I mean, I'm guessing it's a kid. And um, some of the basics of Scratch we'll kind of get familiar with as we look at these. This is called the stage, this area right up here in the corner. And this is where the action is and where things happen. Over here, we've got sprites. And these are our characters. And when you open up Scratch, there's a cat. And, nec- and, and you don't need to make anything in Scratch and create anything this week. I mean, you've, you, you can at any time you want. But t- next week, we're going to get into actually making some stuff ourselves. Um, we're just going to kind of get oriented a little bit to it. Up here in the corner, we've got different kinds of scripts. Scripts that do motion. Scripts that change the looks. Scripts that change the sound. Scripts that drop a pin so I can draw. Scripts that control things, like when the green flag is clicked, do these things. Sensing things, you know, when I hit the wall, bounce back. (coughs) Operators are for more complex stuff. I haven't really done much with this. Um, And then variables. Things can get, you know, kind of uh, complicated. Um, But these, when you click on these different scripts, this is what happens to this little sprite. When the green flag is clicked, it goes to 100% and it goes to the middle. Um, And then it hides. That was the only thing that that did. It looks like that's what they did for their title. So you can actually click on these and see these different scripts and what happens um, as these different things are clicked. So that's a pretty amazing example. We're probably not going to create anything that fancy in this class. We'll probably be doing, doing things that are much more, you know, sort of basic. Here is the first project that I really ever created in Scratch. I made this last year. Have you seen the monster around? I'm going to stop it here and then what instead of viewing it on the web page, I'm going to download the project, okay? Anybody been to Crack Axle Canyon at Frontier City? We had just been there, so it was like I was thinking about that when I made this project. I'm going to open it and it opens in Scratch because Scratch is loaded on this computer and i'm going to just play it first and then we'll take a look at it. You can kind of see it's pretty basic. I've got 3 characters. There's Sarah, there's West, there's the monster. And let's click the green flag. Have you seen the monster around? <laughs> <laughs> going to follow my mouse, and I've got to try and not let the monster catch her. And she can move a little bit faster than he can, but if I don't time it right, he touches her, and the game's over. All right. So, wow, that's a project. That is an example of um, making a game where you... Have some characters that are these sprites, and when you move things like the mouse or the arrows or things like that, stuff can happen. Question or comment? I guess you
1: can add images from your
0: yes, right. yes, you get to add down here on the sprites. You can paint a new sprite, so it gives you a canvas, and and you have a paintbrush, and you can um, pick a color, and you can come in here and draw. Your stick figure or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. You can draw a sprite. You also get to import sprites. And so it comes with lots of animals, fantasy things. Here's where I got my dragon, I think. Um, There's where that monster was. So there's a lot of things that it comes with it. And you can click on these to see a little bit about it. So here's the West sprite. What happens when the green flag is clicked? Bless you. It clears the effects. It shows West. It goes to the middle, okay, and then it sets the size to hundred and it plays a sound, okay? Because there are sounds that you associate with your sprites. Good evening. There's... Have you seen the monster around? So you can record these things if you have a microphone, and those things get associated with your with your sprites. All right. So don't be overwhelmed. There's there's a lot to this program. What I want you to do today or this week for your assignment is explore some of the possibilities and then write a post about them. So um, I'm going to click on the Home button here, and I'm going to say, see more features. So help me decide. We'll look at one more before we're done. Um, I did mix up what happened last class. So I was, do you want to do Ghost Girl, One Minute Rush, Alexander the Great, List Music, Tank the Teenager, Virtual Guitar, Jigsaw? Anybody have a request? What's that? Virtual guitar? guitar? Okay. So we're going to click on it. Now it shows, when we click on it, and I'm going to hit stop so it doesn't play here, um, it shows a couple things below the project. Okay. This project was shared two weeks one day ago by H.Potter134. It's been viewed over 1,200 times. Um, 69 people love it. There's been one remix, so someone's taken this project and made something else with it. It's been downloaded 158 times and it's listed in galleries. I'm going to go ahead, well, let's check it first and see what it does. Um, so I'm, I could play it here, but I really like to uh, download it and open it in Scratch because that way I can I can see the scripts and other things. And if I want to do it full screen, it'll allow me to do that up here. So. Here it is, let me just put it full screen, and I'll click the green flag, and that's usually how it starts. Huh, is this? Oh, is it
2: like a game?
0: I don't know, I don't know if it's just showing me the chords. I
2: think that's what so it's just showing the bass part
0: show. Oh, it's, okay, thank you, where did you see that, was that on the first thing? Hey, space part of strum. So if I do the same thing, yeah, okay. You are going to find all kinds of things in this program. Um, You probably, well, maybe you noticed that there is a place to flag things that are inappropriate. This is maintained by MIT and their lifelong kindergarten group. Is it possible there's something inappropriate here? Yes, there is, Um, but people have an opportunity here to flag as inappropriate, and then people can look at that. Um, I guess that's kind of cool, so I'm going to add this to my favorites, and when I do that, I click this. I can always go back to my account and I will see the projects that I have flagged as favorites. I see the Monster Mash, and um, there's virtual guitar that I just put in. So I want you to explore um, on the Scratch site this week and write a post, have a link that goes back to one of the projects, and basically just write some, ref- some sentences reflecting upon either what they did or you know, what, it, what it is that you saw in that, in that project. Um, you're going to see examples of you know, music videos. You're going to see games. Um, you're going to see um, stories that people have taught. There's all kinds of things. And please do not feel intimidated by this, because we are going to take this at a very basic level next week, where we're going to start off with, like, this is the cat. Here is how you make the cat move 10 steps. I mean, that's, that's where we're going to um, start with this. But Scratch is a program um, the way that Mitch Resnick, who's the creator of it, he says it has a low bar and a high ceiling. It's real easy to get in. It's not difficult to, to start moving the cat around. But what could you do with that? Oh, my gosh. People have completely created Donkey Kong. If you search on the site, the entire Donkey Kong game in Scratch that you can play. And they've, you know done the math and all the stuff to be able to create that. So it's a very fun environment for being creative. And um, if you've got some questions, I'll hang around a little bit longer, and I will let you all know Friday. We'll be here probably at 9 or 10. If you want to come in for Open Lab, it'll just be optional. So have a great week, and let me know if you run into some difficulties with our assignments.